Hello, hello, hello. You're tuned in to CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca. We are here live from your favorite campus radio station, the only campus radio station in Kingston, Ontario. What we heard out there obviously was a little bit of My Bloody Valentine just to kick off this evening. I'm your host, Rue. You're tuned in to The Elbridge Road, which is CFRC's British and Irish music show, which probably makes it all clear. A bit of My Bloody Valentine, a very obvious pick for this week's show. Just because um, I played something off of their debut album, uh, isn't anything question mark which was uh, which came out round about this time so today is the 26th of november i think it came out on the 21st november 1988 um i can't do the maths on this right off the fly but that's something over 30 years now um and this album i i played it off of a cd a physical cd that we were sent in in 1993 so this was i guess after the point where uh so my bloody valentine released the the two album uh, the three albums only and after that you know loveless was huge and then they went in in like 93 92 93 to record a follow up to their first three albums and i don't know what it was but it all kind of fell apart they built a, a home studio things weren't really working out with it all and um eventually i don't know it turned out to be too expensive for creation records though like sort of indie label who had a host of really cool bands on them, like Teenage, uh, Teenage Fan Club. I can't remember if they were on there, but we will be playing them soon. Uh, so they must have just been on my mind. But bands like Primal Scream, My Bloody Valentine, Oasis, who were obviously one of their bigger, biggest bands on there, Super Furry Animals, who I really love. Um, so all these really cool bands were on that label, but apparently uh, this whole project, My Bloody Valentine, was a bit of a... Um, a bit of a money drain for for the label, and so they ended up dropping them, even though this album was, I mean, a Loveless, Stone Cold Classic in the shoegaze department, and just like a really, really solid album. But uh, this was the precursor to that, a precursor that some say, some might say is a little bit overlooked even. Um, and, you know, we got sent this in sort of the aftermath of the band kind of falling apart, sent in in June 1993. So I figured it was a good way to start off the show. After all, we are, we are CFRC's British and Irish music show, and we're going to be having a lot more British and Irish music on tonight's show, but also a little bit of other stuff. Um, I, I did tease ahead to what was going to happen in the show if you were checking the the Yellow Brit Road Instagram Um but there's lots of cool stuff we've got on the show. New music from all sorts of cool new bands that you really need to be listening to because they are so cool. And um, also we're teasing ahead to some uh, some incredible shows that I've been at this weekend. There's something that I, I'm going to drop in just because I can't hold it in. It's a very exciting thing for me. I got to talk to Connor Melanda, guitarist, drummer. I, I don't even know. What do you call multi-instrumentalists? But uh, Connor from the uh, Montreal indie folk rock lots of lots of surrounding genres uh the montreal band uh half moon run and that was i mean i'm a big fan of the band so this was a really cool thing for me to be able to do but also connor was super sweet and i have that interview for us tonight and i'm excited to be playing that but you're gonna have to hold on for that because that's gonna come at the end of the show you'll have to wait and i promise you it will be worth it but we're gonna start instead with uh some bigger releases you know, by larger indie bands, if you will. Our first one is by the band Teenage Fan Club, the kind of iconic, legendary Scottish indie rockers from the 90s. They've pushed through, they've released some really good work. Um, their album from, was it 21 or 22 now, just off the top of my head, was incredible. And uh, they added Eros Childs, the keyboard, keyboard player, 
singer, front person of um, of the Welsh 90s and Zero's uh, ultra fin- oh, folky psychedelic indie band um, uh, Gorky Zygotic Monkey, who are just absolutely brilliant, who I have played on the show before. And so um, they put a teenage fun club have just put out a new album. It's called Nothing Lasts Forever. And they talk about the ephemeral nature of the album and all of that uh, quite a bit. Well, as a major theme that runs through the album, um, they said that one of the recurring themes on the album is, you know, this sort of ephemeral nature, growing older, being ordinary people that grow older, Norman Blake says. But he also says that another recurring theme is light, both as a metaphor for hope and also as an ultimate destination further down the road. And, um, uh, and you know, both songwriters in the band, Norman Blake and Raymond McGinley, came sort of arrived at this theme independently, coincidentally. They say that the songs are definitely personal. You're getting older, you're getting into the cupboard and getting in the black suit out. Uh, you're going into the cupboard and getting the black suit out a lot more often. Um, thoughts of mortality, the idea of light must have been playing on our minds a lot. The songs on the last record were influenced by the breakup of uh, of Norman's marriage. He said it was a cathartic way to write songs, but these new songs are reflective of how I'm feeling right now. Coming out of that period, fairly optimistic. There's an acceptance of a situation and an experience that comes with that acceptance. And uh, I've picked a track off the album called I Left a Light On. Again, all the light themes coming out. And I picked it because it starts off with this keyboard bit, this piano bit that's just such a signature Eros Child's piano part. So we'll listen to a bit of that. You can find the album on their Bandcamp page, teenage-fanclub.bandcamp.com. And then new new music from Roshane Murphy, the electronic pop sort of experimental uh, musician is back with a brand new album. It's called Hit Parade and it's a, it's a collaboration with DJ Kose. And she says that they worked remotely in different countries, sending tracks back and forth. And they had more of a studio of the mind, a virtual studio um, working between Hamburg and London. Um, and uh, she said that I told this album my secrets. For me, it meant it brought out a lot more intimate approach to songwriting. For Kose, it meant total freedom and absolute focus without distraction of my presence. He took a small deep dive into himself, and I believe that's why the music is so vibrant and alive. It's just exploding with color. She says it's a joyful record. She's never been happier uh, for personal reasons, but also because she's really happy and fulfilled in her work. And so we're going to be listening to the album. It's called Hit Parade. You can find it on her Bandcamp page, roshinemurphy.bandcamp.com. The song that I've picked for us to be listening to is called Cool Cool. It's a very cool song. But first, let's listen to a bit of Teenage Fan Club with I Left a Light On. Hmm. Well, while I figure out what's happening uh, in our control room, how about we listen to a little bit of um, Half Moon Run, just because I have their CD and we've talked about this. Um, we'll listen to a brilliant song off of their album, one that really got me into this uh, this whole album of theirs. It was their first single that came out way back in March, and I think it was the first time that I heard any of their music. It's uh, very different from the rest of their work. It's called You Can Let Go, and it is just an absolutely brilliant song. Um, brilliant song. So we'll listen to that, and then hopefully when we're back, we'll have uh, we'll have more new music. Self-help books on the shelf, help meditate hard on myself. 
Welcome back, folks. Uh, we just had a little bit of Half Moon Run. That was their song, You Can Let Go, the first single off of their album that we heard back in March. The album called Salt is just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant album. And uh, I got to talk to Kona uh, just at the Kingston Grand Theatre on site uh, before their show that was on Friday. And they were brilliant, as always. Um, and, you know, it was just a wonderful interview. And you know, we're having a little bit of tech trouble over here. So I think the the best thing that we can do while we get it worked out is we'll jump straight into that interview. I hope you enjoy it because I really, really enjoyed this interview. Here it comes. So I'm here with CFRC 101.9 FM and we're backstage with Connor from Half Moon Run. And I am so excited for this interview. I just told you I've been listening to this album on repeat. The way just something switched on in my brain when You Can Let Go came out. And I have just been out ever since. Oh, that's great. That's so great. I'm that's just really excited to be doing this interview with you guys. Um, now you've been on tour. The album's been out for a few months now. First of all, just congratulations on the album because it's such a beautiful, evocative piece of work. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And you've been on tour now, just like playing this album all over the world, kind of. You've mm -hmm. just come back from Europe, mm -hmm. done the UK shows, uh, done the US shows. This is the home leg. Mm -hmm. How have people been kind of responding to the album, taking it all in? Oh, great, great. The, the tour in Europe was, was wonderful. The shows in, in the UK, all across Europe, they were just... They were somehow better than I expected. I expected them to be good, but they were even better than I expected. And, uh, yeah, you're right, this is the home leg. These are very big shows now. There's, well... Yesterday in Toronto was a huge show. The history. And history, yeah. And it was being like multi-track recorded by CBC as well. Wow. So it was a lot to keep in mind. Like they had cam like seven cameras and so uh, that's a lot to, lot to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. And then two shows in Ottawa, then back home. But it's also been very long. I've been uh, in a new city every single day since early September and that's... Uh, that's a lot. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, but the energy has still been kept up and people have been really enjoying the work. Like today's mm -hmm. show is sold out, the mm -hmm. Kingston show. And I, I mean, I, 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 we talked about this a little before, but I had a friend who went to the Kentish Town Forum show in London and she said people were like sobbing their eyes out at that one at the end. Mm -hmm. So there's been a very emotional and very connected response to it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit just before the, inter the interview started. Um, I think... You know, a lot of bands, I think, maybe at our level and slight, slightly below, maybe, like, just couldn't survive the pandemic, you know? And so I, getting through that and then doing another big tour like this after the pandemic, there's a feeling of, um, like, we survived, you know? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't self-evident that we would survive mm -hmm. um, just as a business, you know? Like, so much changed. and um, So, yeah, there's a, there's a victorious kind of feeling about it. For sure, and I guess it also makes the music feel so much more important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, just exactly like you say. It's, it, that this it's might not have happened. Exactly. This might not have happened. You don't take it for granted, that's right. For sure. And I guess that also has to do with the themes of the album itself, mm -hmm. because to my ear, it sounded mm -hmm. like it was a very cathartic mm -hmm. release, uh, writing process. It seems like there's a lot of kind of heft um, and like there's, there's obviously conflict turmoil and things like that that you're dealing with in these really calm serene and like joyous outbursts mm, mm, that is wonderful description a very <laughs> thoughtful uh, thoughtful response you're you've almost you've almost done the work for me by, by <laughs> describing it in those terms you're right you're, you're bang on about that you're bang on about that yeah um, th themes for, in, in our group I, I think we tend not to establish a theme before writing the music. Um, I, I, a lot of bands do work that way, but for whatever reason, we don't. And so the, whatever themes do exist on this record revealed themselves, you know, kind of after. And we're looking back and thinking, okay, what's the theme, you know? But the way I see it, 
you know, You Can Let Go um, has a different tone. It opens the record, and it has a different tone than a lot of our other music. The yeah, Devin's true. lead vocal is quite uh it's dark it's 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 uh it's psychologically disturbed you know and then it kind of has that opening up into the chorus but that set that sets the tone i think thematically psychologically that there's going to be kind of uh, a descent into darkness uh and and hopefully some kind of a release at the end um like the title track salt which is near the end of the record to me it almost has the aspect of uh kind of like a modern spiritual you know i, I picture it, it it feels like a spiritual to me like maybe kind of like i'm modern secular spiritual of some kind you know for the for, for the new age and so we'll that, see what music does anyway yeah right yeah yeah right right that's that's that you're exactly right um but anyway i, I feel like uh you might be able to describe the themes of the record better than me after that 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 great question that's that's great to hear um it's been a very like the, the theaters and stuff that you've been playing on the tour as well they've been like a very intimate experience even though you've described them as like 2000 capacity venues and even today the kingston grand is going to be like 800 people but still it feels like it's so kind of close to you guys maybe it's just because the music is so close to you guys personally but it just feels like you draw the crowd in and mm. you have this like this like collective experience is not just you playing to a crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That well, the theater venues are so great for that. When you're standing on a stage in a nice venue like the Grand tonight, mm-hmm. um, the the way that they're you know, I guess this is kind of self-evident, but the 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 way that it's situated, it feels like people are right there with you. The way that you're encircled on yeah. multiple levels by by people. Um, so that gives that gives that kind of intimacy and. Uh, also, you know, the acoustics are, are, are better in, in, in venues of this um, design, and so that helps to draw people in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this album, it's been a bit of a step forward for you. Obviously, it's your first post-pandemic album. It's your first album on a new label as well, mm-hmm. and it's your first album in a while as a three-piece. Mm-hmm. So how has that sort of experience influenced the album, if it has in any way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another excellent question. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would say, you know, in the, in the early days, so our first record, we were a trio, um, mm-hmm. and it, there's, a, there's something similar about our first record and this record and how it felt to make, because um, when you're making your first record, nothing's guaranteed, you know? You don't know how people are going to respond, you don't know if you have a career afterwards or whatever, you know, like, it's just, it's totally, um, it's totally up to fate and, and to the audience whether or not <clears throat> you're going to succeed, and... Uh, there was that similar feeling on this record as well. We, it was like as if we went back to our core. You know, when we were describe, when I've been describing why we called it Salt, um, uh, I would say because to me it feels like we tried to target something elemental. We started with such a, a, a wide pool of of songs and and there was a distillation that we did to the bring it down evaporated away. exactly boil boiling down you know bit down to like you know this essence salt which um our, our third record is called a blemish in the great light which is a very long title that's <laughs> it's kind of suggestive of maybe something more what what would you say you know less elemental you know more more ornate and um, and that's how the vocals, I think the big stacked four-part harmonies on that third record are, are more ornate, whereas this record, to me, it feels anyway more emotionally and even sonically elemental. And as a trio, you know, like they say that the, the triangle is the strongest shape. Mm-hmm. And um, and I feel like when we went from four, like I'm, I'm holding up a shape of a square right now, <laughs> but that, down to three, there was something... It was as if anything, there was, there was no room for anything dilute. Every right. voice has to have its proper space in the sonic spectrum. And 
they have to be distinct yet complementary. The elements, and when when you when you find that kind of magic combination of distinctness and complementary, those two aspects, that's when I feel like like we're at our best. Anyway, there's an alchemy there that that um, that, that 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 alchemy was what gave me the courage to drop out of university in 2011 and pursue this project in the first place, you know, because mm -hmm. I just believe in that, that chemistry so much. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess it's sort of like everything falls into its own place and there's nothing kind of pulling away from it. It's all yeah. at its own center. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We like to say um, uh, no playing along. So like, you know, like that would, you know, the, the band is playing, someone might be strumming along. It's like not allowed in this group. You're not allowed to play along. You have to be, you have to be singular. Every, uh, yeah. every piece has a purpose. Exactly right. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly right. And I mean, what you said before really leads me well into my next question, uh, which was that uh, there are demos on this album. Like you talked about going back to um, the early days and all that stuff. And there are songs on this album that have been around for a decade or so that you've now pulled up and you've kind of revisited it. So yeah. has, has that been like a very reflective process? And has this been almost like a kind of look back on yeah. Half Moon Run's career so far? Because it has been sort of 10-ish years since you guys put out your first album. Yeah. So is it like a 10-year kind of look back thing? Uh, yes, I, I would say so. Um, some of the material is newer and some of it's very old. Some of it even uh, predates our first record. And what's really wonderful about that is that you know, now I'm 33, so when, when, when we were recording the first record, I was actually only like 20 and 21. I turned 21 when we were recording the first record. And there are musical and creative decisions that you make in your early 20s that not only would you not make in your 30s, but you couldn't even come up with the things that you, you know, there's, there, what is it? There's, there's this beautiful kind of uh, naivety about being a youthful, creative person. Um, you're not afraid of any kind of experimental limits, and you're also very open with your vulnerabilities and such things. And so um, being able to go back and find kind of these golden nuggets of youthful naivety, it felt almost like stealing, because it was like, you know, but it's, but it's, it's me, you know, so it's all right. I, it's like collaborating with a younger version of yourself, which I, I think that that's, there's something really beautiful about that. There's something... Um, psychologically cathartic about it as well you know it it, it, it closes a loop <laughs> yeah it yeah. gives you a bit of closure on on that whole 10-year period that's right yeah and i mean you've talked so much about catharsis on this album being a major theme as well right so that's right. a really good way to like wrap it all in yeah yeah it's very annoying to have um songs that feel like they have a lot of potential sitting in the closet not working you know it's very annoying it makes you feel like you haven't done your your job properly and so we like crossed a bunch of them off the list on this like songs like the second track called alco mm -hmm. um like that that opening ukulele line is like so good you know that's yeah. devin's op opening ukulele line and i think we all kind of felt like we had kind of failed ourselves by not doing it justice all these years because we tried to add it to Dark Eyes. Like, we've been trying to put that song on all every record. And, and it's just stuck around in your head for all that while, probably well, eating away a little bit. Yeah, yeah. well, we would, we, would, we would bust it out every, like, kind of few months or whatever and give it another shot. And what kept happening was, you know, like, it's in very fast 16th notes. Mm -hmm. and, and so we would be building upon that and it would feel great for the first minute, minute and a half. And then those 16th notes would start to feel incessant. And then you would get worn down and the song would lose its effect. Mm -hmm. But then we had trouble finding ways to establish space. Um, so we worked with our producer and finally feel like we, like we figured that out. A lot of that was just strictly sonic, you know, um, to, to make it feel like, yeah, like I said, those 16th notes weren't kind of on top of each other all the time and just uh, wearing you down. That was the main trick with that one. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, you described the technical aspect of it, but then it's also such a catchy pop hook, that chorus. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was what was really working about it. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew that that was, that the elements, the melodic elements particularly, were very strong. But um, it was an arrangement problem. It was, that's the same what happened with the song called Nine Beat. Both of those were massive arrangement challenges because you can hear like they're extremely technical musically, especially Nine Beat. Yes. Um, and it's in a it's in a non-standard time signature. Nine eight. Nine eight, but it switches to four four um, part way through, and one part is five over nine in the bridge. You know that crazy bridge with all the violins. Mm -hmm. And the main challenge with playing in non-standard time signatures, especially if they switch between, um, is it sounds kind of mathy. Yes. So, you know, and that can be aesthetically distracting. I find it's kind of like you don't want to be making a, you don't want people to know that you're in a non-standard time signature. I think mm -hmm. that's uh, that's kind of uh, I don't know what it is. It's just it's just inelegant. It's inelegant to be uh, yeah. And so anyway, that, that was that was the challenge with that one. I think we got there too. Yeah, I mean, uh, someone had said that uh, a good jazz musician takes a complicated thing and makes it look easy. Yeah. And I mean, the other part of that that they did say was that a rock musician takes something really easy and makes it look difficult. But I think you guys make it look easy. <laughs> a jazz musician must have said that. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys are making it look easy. And it's also, I mean, coming back to the whole three-piece thing, um, people know what a three-piece looks like in a rock band setting, but then there's you guys going up with nine beat, two people standing around the drums, you and Devin just like banging away on it, and then mm -hmm. you run over to the keys to play a bit of a key line, mm -hmm. switch to the guitars. It's all a very striking look as mm -hmm. well. Right, right. Well, our main trick was to eliminate the bass player. You know, <laughs> which uh, the we've, I've always the joke is that a, a bass player, one person, one note. You know, like it's just too inefficient. This is for Half Moon Run. You know, like you, if you're if you're in Half Moon Run, you had to play more than one note at a time. <laughs> Devin doing the finger picking. You've co you've got it covered. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. get Dylan plays bass with on his keyboard, right? While he's right. playing drums. Right. as well. Yeah, exactly. Since he like the more you learn about Dylan, our drummer, um, the more amazing it truly is. You know, like um, he's playing bass with his hand on a keyboard while drumming while singing, but. He's not just playing bass, he's also playing high synth lines in the same hand that he's playing bass with. But in order to make room for that, are you a musician? Yes. You, yes. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, in, in order to make room for that, he has, he's transposes each note so that it can wow. fit in one hand. So he's, if it looks like he's playing, you know, it looks like he's playing a D and then an, and then an E, he's really playing, you know, a C sharp and then an F sharp, but it, it, what, what, and what looks like a whole tone. Wow. But, and, and so that, it's just unbelievable, right? Like that, that he's, uh, on the other hand, he loses his keys all the time and things like that. <laughs> so nobody's perfect. Wow. <laughs> I, I did notice a little bit of that when I was watching one of the CBC sessions you guys did. And it was like, I was like trying to keep track and counting and going, how many instruments is he playing at the same time? Yeah. At least three. Well, and then on, on his feet, so he's got his foot on the one foot on the kick drum and one foot on the hi hat, and um, with his hi hat foot, he'll often like be uh, he'll he'll remove it and hit a clap trigger. There's a trigger <laughs> that goes and that makes a clap sound, mm -hmm. and then even more remarkably, so after when Isaac uh, left the group, um, often what we would be missing the most from his departure was. If Dylan's hands are occupied on, on a keyboard and it's like he, he's just completely occupied, yeah. the, the backbeat, the snare, you know, mm -hmm. the, and, and they're like, who's going to play the snare? And so what Dylan did was rig up a, a kick drum pedal with a pulley system to a, to a stick, a drumstick that hits a snare drum. <laughs> so that often he's doing that and then he's, so he's playing the hi-hat like that and then 
So he's playing the snare with his foot as well. There's two snare drums on stage. I mean, we talked about how you didn't want to be classified as a math rock band, but there's a lot of physics going on over here. There's a lot of physics going on. But ideally, like, nobody really thinks about that except us. Um, <laughs> it's You just got to get those uh, snare hits. Make in, it you know? look easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your instrument? Uh, I'm a guitarist. So oh, yeah, okay. Much less complicated than all of that stuff that's going on. Hey, no, I mean, there's complexity and even yeah. the simplest of things. You get a lot of percussion on the guitar as well. Yeah, that's absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I guess I also wanted to ask about sort of the beginnings and the influences a little bit. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's, there's often this repeated story about how you guys met Devin through uh, a Craigslist ad yes. and how all of that ended up working out. And, but I wanted to know, was there a moment when, like, you know, when you met him, when you started playing or something, where something clicked and you just realized that this is going to work or this is what you want to be doing with this group of people for life, I guess? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say I, ha I have a good answer to that. Uh, there, there definite, most definitely is. Um, the, the very first jam that we went to together... Well, I mean, it was the minute he opened his mouth. He's a fantastic singer. And at that point, I was 19, and he was 24. He's 23. And um, the just the sound coming out of his mouth, I thought, this, this, he, this is a world-class singer. And you don't often meet world-class singers. And not only that, he's so melodically inventive. Um, that uh, I, I right away thought, just like, this is, this is incredible. And, but what started happening, so we started singing. He started singing. And then, you know, we started singing with him. And then we put our instruments down. And then, because we wanted to work out the harmony for this, like, kind of brand new idea that he brought to us on the first day. And so um, that, what, so putting the instruments down and then singing and finding the harmony, at, like, you know, just a cappella, and really listening to the sound of each other's voices, this was a massive breakthrough because most of the time when you go to the first jam with new people, the way that people are trying to, they're trying to assert themselves. They're, they're trying to make themselves heard. They're trying to show you what they can do. Audition. But yeah, so, so there's a very much a, a pushing outwards of sound that will be with the other people in the room, which is, with Half Moon Run, it was the opposite. People were trying to coax in the sound from the other people, and there, so there was this beckoning. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, kind of at the center of this mutual beckoning was this triadic harmony. And between that and the moment when Dylan first discovered that he's going to play bass on his, on his synth, it was like, click. Click, and then we had our sound. You know, we mm -hmm. had the band. That's. <laughs> I also think most people when they audition, they start off with like very instrumental stuff, and then like the vocalist kind of gets decided later. On. Right, right, yeah. That, that, which is okay too. Which is okay mm -hmm. too. But um. But yeah, the harmonies are a big part of your sound as well. They're they're at the at the very center. They're at the very center of what we do. Singing together was. Um, Oh yeah, I mean, well, your question was, was there a moment? And, and when we first sung together, that was the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and there's like this very kind of classic music influence, sort of folky mm -hmm. touches coming in. But then there's stuff that you guys are doing right now, like you had the collab collaboration with, if I'm saying their name correctly, Cree, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the, the Fred Again cover that you've just put out, mm -hmm. where it's all this really surprising electronic influences. Yeah. So how do you manage to like marry those influences together? Just by just by liking them, you know, just by liking them and just trying to recreate them where we can. I think the the I think the earliest electronic influences, like do you know Brian Eno's music for airports? Yes. You know that, and so those just gorgeous ethereal soundscapes that are made out of sampled instruments and slowed mm -hmm. down and backwards and all that, you know, um, just when that that that's just such an influence. And what what it, what is it about it? There's something inherently nostalgic about it. You know, Boards of Canada has that yes. sound too. You know, there's like this. Um, there's a nostalgic sound about 
organically sampled instruments worked into electronic music, you know? Yeah. Fortet has a bit of that sound too. We like a, this artist called Burial a lot. Um, and uh, so yeah, electronic music trying to get, I think that that's, to me, if we were only a folk band, um, I, I don't think it would be that interesting. It's, it's, it's combining the kind of the, the, the skeleton of a, of a folk project with these kind of ethereal colors. I think that what, that's what people really like about this group. That is, it, sure. it combines those things in, in, in a nice way. That's, that's what I like about this group, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you, when you brought up the nostalgic part of it, it kind of, something just clicked for me as well, where I think you guys have a little bit of that thing as well, where things sound sort of like they're in the past, but also timeless. Like, right. Right. Like that's what I find with like the Boards of Canada sound or with the, the Brian Eno sounds. Yeah. Is that it sounds like it's definitely a sound from the past, but mm. still just timeless. Right, like right. It still sounds like it could be happening right now. Right, right, exactly. The, the combination of sadness and beauty Somehow that is also a nostalgic feeling. That is salt. Uh, that's right. That's right. I know. I know. Yeah. I, and but there's so much. There's so there's so much richness in the, in that combination. Mm-hmm. You know, sadness and beauty. It's uh, it's it's like uh, it's just it's it's, I, it's maybe it's because beautiful things don't last forever. You know, and that's sad. And that but that's what makes them beautiful. And and that's just uh, it's just. It's a theme that never stops yielding fruitful, fruitful creative content, uh, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. And I think the ephemeral point that you just touched upon, mm-hmm. that's what the live show is for. It's mm-hmm. something that people are going to come, they're going to experience, mm-hmm. and it's going to be just right now. So what can people expect from the show tonight? Well, we, we have our string quartet, and so that's, that's uh, uh, not, not often that we have the privilege of having them. And so that adds... Um, it adds kind of... It, it just... They, they, they used to be called Le Catel, the Four Wings, and it, it does give kind of like this angelic quality to the to, to the show. These uh, four wonderful women that we've been working with for ten years—they're they're, they're not called Esca String Quartet. So there, there's a there's an extra ethereal aspect there. There'll be a lot of energy as well because we only have three shows left on this tour, and it's been three months, and so it's like. You know, we're coming around the bend for our final sprint, and uh, you know it'll have that feeling to it. <laughs> I'm sure. Like, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if it was um, started to feel like it almost might, you know, pop off the rails or something because that was kind of how it was last night. And like, uh, we're, to, to be perfectly honest, we're all at a bit of our wits' end with all this traveling, you know, and uh, so you just have to kind of. Almost like athletic, you know, like the you got one minute left on the on the on the <laughs> clock and you're exhausted, but you're gonna finish the damn game here, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's like an indie an indie focus show that's just threatening to become a rock show. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we've organized the set list so that it plays into that as well. The the last couple songs are. Um, rock songs <laughs> <laughs> really looking forward to that um, what, do you, what do you guys have coming up because you told us a little bit about stuff that's on the way yeah. before we started recording yeah yeah so we just re- we did um, some live sessions at the studio where we recorded Salt which is called the Treehouse and so we did that Fred Again cover we mm-hmm. did Nine Beat we did I suppose I suppose I'm not supposed to announce the other ones, but there's three more coming. One of which is a brand new song that didn't that we did, decided not to put on Salt. For Salt has 11 songs on it, and there is, but we recorded 18. <laughs> <laughs> and the ones we left off, 
Um, it had nothing to do with quality. It was just we wanted to make a cohesive um, piece, uh, mm -hmm. uh, record. And so we withheld um, other songs, uh, which we very much look forward to putting out because some of my favorite material is on the, on the, you know, the remainder. And so one of those will be coming out in January. And then I hope to do another um, hopeful live session in the spring too to put, to, like, during COVID, I don't know if you saw, we... Uh, um, did something we call them the COVID videos the COVID yeah. yeah yeah and we made a record out of it mm -hmm. it was I forget, I forget if there was 10 or 11 or what um, but that's quite nice to have a relic of time you know like that and so I would personally like I, I mean this is not even confirmed yet but I would personally like to do a full 10 song uh, uh, live from the Treehouse album and I think I'm sure, I, I'm sure also we would like that. that yeah yeah <laughs> with some new material and maybe another cover and yeah Mm -hmm. We really, really look forward to that. Um, have so much fun at the show, show tonight. We can't wait to hear from you guys again. Uh, I just have to say before we end the interview, your hat is really iconic. Oh, thank and you. And the round burn one, that is even more iconic. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet of you. And I have to say, you ask excellent questions. This has been a very good interview. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, welcome back. You're tuned in to CFRC 101.9 FM. Thank you so much to Connor and Half Moon Run. Uh, I had an absolutely fantastic time at their show on Friday and also talking to Connor before the show. So that was that was the interview that I did with Connor and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, and we just heard uh, a brand new song of, well, a brand new version of a song of theirs, Nine Beat, recorded live at the Treehouse, which Connor was talking about in our interview um, but we're going to return to some uh, UK and Irish music for now because uh, tech troubles are solved. We, we're working here. We're rolling again. And so the songs that I was talking about, let, let's go ahead and listen to that music that we've been talking about all this while. We'll have a little bit of Teenage Fan Club with their song I Left a Light On and then Roisin Murphy with Cuckoo. And then I will see you all very, very shortly. Roisin Murphy. Welcome back, folks. You are still listening to The Yellow Brook Road, CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca. Uh, we are bringing you the best new tunes out of the UK and Ireland. And um, we're going to move on into listening to some uh, some smaller bands. We just had uh, Teenage Fan Club and Roisin Murphy. So here are some new bands you need to be checking out if you don't already know them. Oyapaya, uh, a trio from Liverpool. They've got new music out. Um, it's very psychedelic and harmonic. Uh, you know, harmony-filled song that they've just released. Um, you can find them on their Bandcamp page, O-Y-A-P-A-Y-A-O-Y-A-P-A-Y-A. The song is called Don't Ask. I really like it. We're going to be listening to that. And then a band who I have played on the show more recently, uh, uh, Problem Patterns, the Belfast punk and post-punk band. They've just released their new album. It's called Blouse Club. And uh, I'm going to be playing a new song of it, which I believe is a single of the album. It's called Turfs Out. Uh, putting out a pretty strong statement out there. You can find them on Bandcamp, problempatterns.bandcamp.com. Uh, I think they're also on Alcopop Records now, which I think is the coolest label around the UK on the indie side of things. They say that um, in an effort to weigh equal importance on the whole record, 
they re they uh, released uh, DIY videos for every single of the uh, 10 or so songs on the album. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a very special release to them. Uh, and they think, they hope that it brings some hope and joy to those who might need it the most listening to the songs on the album and following their uh, their journey. Um, I also noticed that the album, which came out on the 27th of October at Blouse Club, was produced by the late Canadian producer Peter J. Moore, who just died earlier this month. Um, so we're going to be listening to that song. You can find them on their Bandcamp page. Uh, the song is called Turfs Out. And then a brand new uh, collaboration by Connie Constance, who's just this wonderful indie rock musician um, uh, out of London, um, who just released a new collaboration with the band uh, Sounds Mint. We're also a newish band uh, who recently supported Blur on tour, and their single collaboration is called Club Penguin. You can find Connie Constance, her brilliant album from last year, which was called Miss Power, which uh, you can find on her Bandcamp page, Connie Constance, C-O-N-N-I-E, uh, Connie Constance or Bandcamp.com. Sounds Mint are on SoundCloud, just look them up, Sounds Mint, and their song together is called um, Club Penguin. So we'll listen to a couple of those tracks and then we'll come back and we'll talk more music. This is Oya Paya with Don't Ask. Welcome back, folks. A little bit of Connie Constance, a collaboration along with Sounds Mint, a song called Club Penguin. Just wonderful indie rock music on air. You're tuned in to CFRC 101.9 FM. You're listening to The Yellow Bridge Road. And folks, because of, of the wonderful station we're on, I do have to tell you the CFRC funding drive is going on right now. We've been doing some pretty cool stuff at CFRC out here, you know, the the sort of core programming. I do want to say this, and I hope it doesn't sound like I'm bragging when I'm doing that, but, you know... Half Moon Run think we're a pretty cool station. They shouted us out on stage uh, at the Grand Theatre and, you know, they said they really liked what we were doing. And I think if you do as well, you should go and check out the CFRC funding drive. You know, we are a community radio station. We have no sort of sponsors or like commercial features, really. So we're all just run by volunteers and, you know, we're just trying to get through things one year at a time. Uh, year by year, the funding drive keeps us on air and has for 101 years now because we, uh, 1922, since 1922, we've been going, we've been going and you can keep us going into the, that 102nd year. CFRC.ca forward slash donate now. Lots of cool stuff happening at the station, including some of the incredible music you're going to be listening to next. We have got some music from a Glasgow band called Penny Mob. It's an anthemic new song called Addicted. And the man says quite close to them personally, very close to their heart. And they hope that you enjoyed as well. Find them online. Just uh, I think they're on SoundCloud at Penny Mob Band. Um, and then we'll have some new music from Grove, the wonderful... Um, uh, how, how would I describe Grove's music? Very kind of... Uh, heavy, dancey, and also very post-punk, very political. This is an EP called Power Play, which follows up on their EP from a little while ago, which was just power. And uh, they say that it's an exploration of societal power, sensual power, and the ultimate form of power, vulnerability, as well as a journey through punk-infused bass, warped bass bashment, uh, dembo and trip hop. And this is a collaboration I'm playing uh, with an artist called Lion Storm. You can find uh, Grove at theyisgrove.bandcamp.com. We're going to be listening to the song Kingpin, and then we'll be right back. First, uh, Addicted, Penny Mob. 
A bit of Grove. Welcome back, folks. Uh, you're tuned in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We had a bit of Grove and we had a bit of Penny Bob, both very different <laughs> songs musically um, on the last set. And we're going to have a little bit more music. We have about 15 minutes more. And I thought we'll shake things up. So, you know, we had a bit of indie rock. We had a little bit of uh, however you would describe Grove's electronic kind of mind-melding beats. Um, and then I've got... Uh, some poetry coming up next. Uh, the 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 uh, post punk band, incidentally, from Middlesbrough called uh, Benefits, have put out a wonderful new poem. It's a it's an homage to their hometown, Middlesbrough. It's a, a moving, clear-eyed, and like really really well written piece. And at the moment, you can find it only on their YouTube, which is where I'm going to be playing it off. But you can find all the rest of their stuff on their Bandcamp page, and they are really worth a listen. So find them at benefitstheband.bandcamp.com. And then we'll have some uh, some experimental post-punky uh, jazz stuff from the wonderful London neo-jazz scene. It's an artist called Mova of Earth, who is uh, Davina Ayerson Bright, who's released an EP called Aligned with Nature's Intelligence. I believe it's her debut EP. And she says, I'm calling it Afropunk jazz, an expression of my truth as a woman of African descent with jazz inflections. And I'm excited to share my vulnerability with the world and to finally start my life as an artist. Exciting times for her. Uh, we'll start with some benefits and then uh, we'll listen to Mover of Earth. Uh, keep listening to CFRC. It'll be quicker to walk, I mutter under my breath. My car trundles along Martin Road, valiantly trying to get me to the cinema on time. Should have been there ten minutes ago. Probably missed the trailers. Fingers tapping the steering wheel. Maybe there's been an accident. Or oh, it's the back end of the school run. SUVs, plastic, white leathered. Welcome back, folks. Uh, a little bit of the menstrual cramps who I also threw into that last set. We had some music from Mover of Earth. Nothing could have prepared me for that explosion of pianos at the at the end. This is just her debut EP. It's absolutely fantastic. We also had a poem by Benefits called Middlesbrough, uh, an homage to their hometown of Middlesbrough. And then a little bit of the menstrual cramps who are a band from Bristol who've been a bit quiet for a few years, but they're back now. They've signed to Alcopop Records. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm just glad that they're back. Um, uh, and they, they're going to be putting out uh, an album on Alcopop. So that's really cool. The song was called Body Politics. Uh, one last song to leave you all for tonight. Folks, CFRC Radio, uh, we have been running our funding drive. I do have to remind you, go check us out because there's some pretty cool stuff happening out here. I have one last song. It is uh, a song that you might not have heard anywhere else because it, it was sent to me. It's, it's, it's only still in a demo stage. It is by the Astros. And the reason I have to play this is because I saw them last night and it was one of the most insane shows I have been to in, in a while. Um, it was the Grad Club show one year of their album Sci-Fi Radio that came out just uh, last year. And um, they played a show for us, for CFRC, as part of a funding drive in March uh, at the Grad Club. That was an insane show. We still talk about about it you know Andy went crowd surfing the guitarist and it was just this insane energy everyone bopping around this time they somehow managed to better it I lost count of the number of people who went crowd surfing I would say there were at least 15 people the energy was insane it was hot it was sweaty it was just one of the best shows I've been to recently really just cementing for me that they are one of the best Kingston bands right now um, so we'll listen to a brand new song of theirs this isn't out but they're working on their third album the song is called MVP and here's a bit of a demo of it 
That's the last thing I'll be leaving you with. So I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Again, thank you to Conda from Half Moon Run. I had an absolutely wonderful time talking to him and their show was great. But I'm going to leave you with a bit of MVP by the Astros. See you all next week. Goodbye. (laughs) 